Welcome back to another episode of Open Dialogue, the podcast for collaborative SEOs and digital marketers. In this episode, I spoke with Stephen Kenwright. He's the co-founder and technical director of an agency called Rise at Seven based in Sheffield in the UK. Over the course of our conversation, we spoke about Stephen's rise through the agency Branded3 and then Edit, and how he's worked with developers and senior stakeholders to help grow these agencies. We also spoke about why agencies need to be careful in who they choose as clients and why the north of England is turning into a digital powerhouse. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to share it and shout about it to the world using the hashtag open underscore dialogue. And you can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Marsden. You'll also be able to find a written recap of this podcast over on the Deepcrawl blog, which you can navigate to by going to deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast, where you'll also be able to sign up for a mailing list and be notified when we release new episodes each and every other week. Before we get started, I would like to let you know that this podcast has been made possible by my employers, Deepcrawl. If you're interested in improving the technical health and organic performance of the websites that you manage with an enterprise-level web crawler, then head on over to deepcrawl.com and you can have a look at how we can help. We've even got a two-week free trial for you to try out. But that's enough for this intro. Let's dive straight into this. Here's another episode of Open Dialogue with Stephen Kenwright. And welcome to the podcast, Stephen Kenwright. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Uh, yeah, good. Thanks. Thank you for for joining me. I'm really excited to to get going and on this audible adventure. Um, <laughs> you were top of you were very very high. Not not quite top of my list, but you were oh, like well, very high you. up there. I'm going to be full of full yeah. of compliments today. Top three. Um, <laughs> but um, what I've really what I really admire about you is that you're not not just someone that's really knowledgeable in in this space and i kind of admire you from on a professional level but um i kind of see you as like a, a wise sage of the of the seo industry um primarily because um the past couple of brighton seos we've been um you've you've kind of helped me a lot professionally and i like to think maybe personally slightly as well um we we've made it a thing where we're walking from the um where is it from the speakers speakers, speakers dinner, dinner to the pre party to the pre party at Brighton SEO pre party yeah that's very very important to to note yeah. and yeah I, I think it, it started because we we couldn't get a taxi we there wasn't <laughs> enough space for us and um, yeah so we just we make this uh, this this not voyage a, yeah, a kind a voyage. of like yeah voyage it's, of discovery it's not just SEO advice it's life yeah, advice it's maybe maybe more of a pilgrimage yeah. <laughs> pilgrimage yeah I always feel like my life's changed after after the these uh, these these journeys so yeah I'm I'm hoping that you can instill some of the this kind of um, life changing epiphanies in over the course of this conversation and all of this and I wasn't even at the top of your list yeah. <laughs> Well, we had we've had um, JP Sherman on, and he's like he he's like he's an exceptional guy. Like he's okay, just yeah, like yeah. there's. I know where I stand. Yeah. <laughs> no, you've got to accept no one's quite on the level of JP Sherman. He's like he he roasts his own coffee. Like he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't compete with that. <laughs> but um, I guess I'd like to start by finding out a bit about you and how you began in SEO and how, how you kind of got started. Like I know you started at Branded3, but um, in doing my research, I saw that you actually started with an English degree. So what was the kind of journey like for you into SEO? Uh, I think like a lot of people who get into SEO, the reason I got into it was to do uh, as little as possible originally. So that's the reason I got into English. I did an English degree at uni because I once was looking around halls of residence, met a girl who said, I only go in six hours a week. I thought that sounds perfect. So I actually changed uh, all of my A-levels and did English so I could go and do that. And then didn't hear of SEO until afterwards. And it was only because I was kind of, while I was doing an MA, I was freelancing for an agency, writing various articles, a bit more advertising style stuff, a lot of it. But some of it was kind of SEO articles, as you might do in 2010. And 
Um, I know the sort. Yeah, they weren't great, um, but it was it was a living, so to speak, and paid paid for paid for some beer. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, they got acquired just as I was leaving uni. They offered me a job straight out of uni, and Amazing. I moved into the copywriting team there. They also had an SEO team, and I just mm. kind of gravitated towards that team. Found it really interesting. Yeah. And what was your journey like through um, Branded 3? I know you were there for quite a few years mm. and like you worked your way up the ranks there. Mm. What what was that kind of journey like? And Because I, I couldn't, you seem like, you, you're probably going to take offence to this, but I don't mean in an offensive <laughs> way, but you seem like a lot older and more mature than your your years. Like yeah. you're, you're younger than like I'd imagine you to be. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And like, how have you managed to like cram so much experience in? And like, you've you've got such a sure head on your shoulders. Like, where where does that all come from? And yeah, Brandon Three was a, a, a weird, unique, and special sort of place mm-hmm. where everything combined and timing was just perfect for me, at least. So Brandon Three got acquired while I was I was still in the, the link building team, I think, really. So I was kind of like doing a bit of very, very rudimentary PR, not like what, what the SEO industry does now. Uh, I was kind of moving into the SEO team and to the more technical side of things at that point. And then because it got acquired, we grew rapidly. Um, mm-hmm. we, we had an investment from a parent company. Yeah. Our founder, Patrick, retired or was retiring. So, you know, there was there was an imperative to replace him on the speaking circuit. He was where all of our new mm-hmm. business came from. So I kind of got stuck into that as, as quickly as possible. And then... You know, through a combination of uh, having a really great mentor in, in Tim Grice, who ended up being a CEO, um, he he definitely pushed me quite a lot, and it was really clear uh, as an agency what they value, what what's important to to Brand of Three, and how you kind of progress there. Mm-hmm. So, like people like me and and Laura Crimmins and David White and people like that, who you know really did move up quite quickly. It was because mm-hmm. it was really clear where we were going as yeah. a as a business, and um, yeah, I think I did eight jobs there eight different jobs and wow, i started right. in outreach i moved on to seo then content then back on to seo and then all of search mm-hmm. and then i ended up doing well everything i managed dev design cro and everything else too yeah so was that quite a smooth journey for you like i don't i don't want to get into like each step of that journey but how yeah was it was it a smooth journey for you yeah, it was it was really straightforward. It was yeah. it was very much a case of, you know, in the business you could see what the gap was. You could see, well, we need someone to do this, and then it's the type of business where you go, well, I'll do it. Mm. And then you start doing it, and then someone eventually notices, hey, that guy's doing that. We should yeah. uh, we should give him a job doing that. <laughs> and then you just kind of move through just based on, you know, yeah. it, it's really clear a lot of the time what a business really needs to be able to get something done. Mm-hmm. And they they very much were the type of business that would reward people taking initiative and, and getting stuck into it. Yeah. So it was so pretty, you're just kind of like clean. an accumulation of responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've got another another like slight tangent, but is there anything that like I don't know. You seem unflappable. Like, is there is there anything? Like, I imagine like we're sitting in this this studio now. But if if I left if I went away for a coffee and like uh, left you with our audio engineer Matthew, would you be able to like use? I reckon you'd be able to pick up like using a studio just just quite quickly and like you could just like I there, there's a sick part of me which would just like to to kind of put you in a situation where you're like you're in a right flap like is there anything that puts you out of your comfort zone are you like always kind of in control and um I'm I'm relatively calm all the time. That's yeah. just a personality thing, okay. I think, and everyone's different. But I think it's important to know what you don't know. Yeah. So I like having just enough information in my brain to actually have a conversation about something and not seem like an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, not pretend I know more about what, mm-hmm. who, you know whatever I'm talking about with whoever. You know, I, I never yeah. sort of pretend to know the most in mm-hmm. the room yeah. if I can help it. So yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good attitude. I think a lot being <laughs> being humble being humble yeah but, try yeah <laughs> um can i'd be really interested to hear a bit about um your experiences of how you um started your new agency rise at seven which has been going for a few months now mm-hmm. that's correct yeah about two yeah. months two and a half months yeah so you moved into moved in-house mm-hmm. briefly mm-hmm. at pendragon 
Pendragon, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it Pendragon or? Yeah, Pendragon. Oh, like, that, like that, the that old, paints like, like a really lovely image in my head. I of... know, it's like King Arthur, isn't it? That's yeah. what it was all about. Mm. Yeah, very yeah. English sort right. of. Right, okay, I see. Yeah. Right, I was, I was pronouncing it Pendragon. I thought it was yeah. like some weird geometrical shape. But yeah. But how? what was the move there and like what was the, the thinking and then moving to create your own agency? How did that come about? I think long term I'd always been interested in starting an agency uh not not like always but definitely in the last couple of years i kind of thought i would go agency side again uh whether it was mine or not so i wanted to go in-house because i think you know you're you're working with clients all the time that is literally your job and unless you've done it yourself i don't think you can really empathize in the way that you should be able to Mm -hmm. and you see that all the time where people are kind of saying the same sort of uh, apparent truisms are we understand that you are busy we understand that there is you know dev resources hard to come by and that kind of thing i'm like well, but do you like understand that do you understand why it's like that so i i kind of i was pretty clear i wanted to go in-house and experience it for myself um and you know as is every business at the moment lots of change going on uh, and just lots of things happened at the same time again a, a load of coincidences which meant that you know this was an opportunity to start up a lot sooner than i originally anticipated i was thinking maybe two years something like mm-hmm. that and uh yeah it all fell into place with some good backing and you know it, it just made a lot of sense mm-hmm. and the two there's two very separate sides to the business right so you've got um carrie who's kind of covering all the PR related stuff and you're um you're heading up all of the the technical SEO right so yeah. is it quite split or like is there a lot of kind of crossover there with it's, with it's clients not split at all and the, the reason is because when when I was at Pendragon we were running an SEO agency pitch mm-hmm. and uh you know we we had two real issues we had a, a website that was a mess lots of javascript mm-hmm. that was unreadable subdomain and all the technical issues that you could possibly imagine on a massive sort of scale. But also we hadn't really done much in the way of link building for a really long time. We Mm -hmm. were really reliant on TV. We spent a lot of money on TV and PPC, and I was concerned if if we turned those things off, there wasn't much propping that brand up. So we were running a pitch for both of those things, and... Uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot of friends in the industry who I really rate the work that they do, but I think it was pretty clear for me that there wasn't an agency that could do both of those things, mm-hmm. and yet they are the only two bits of SEO. So yeah. as much as, you know, th- there are plenty of agencies who are decent and technical, but maybe, you know, phenomenal at link building, mm-hmm. or who are a really great technical agency that can't build links, I think the ambition for me and Carrie is, well, well you know, we're narrow as it gets. We're an SEO agency, mm-hmm. but... Um, it would be great if we could get something that works together with only those two things. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a real need for that. And was it was it difficult moving back into agency agency side? Did did you did you kind of like was your experience of in house? You like oh, I've kind of like seen what this is like, and uh, I want to do my own thing. Is that basically the the thinking there? I think you you definitely see, well, every business is different as a starting point. So, you know, you go in-house, you see what one business is like. So I'd not pretend to know what every business is like at all. Uh, I don't think I'd really had chance to slow down to the pace that in-house often is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the projects tend to be bigger. The projects tend to be more long-term and mm-hmm. have a lot more moving parts than what an agency might do. So I'm still in that me- mentality that agencies have, which is kind of like, do this, move on, do this, move on, mm-hmm. and get through projects in a, in a completely different sort of way. So I, was, I feel like I was still in that kind of mentality. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't changed to an in-house way of doing things just mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, um, from my experiences, which are primarily in-house, I can definitely attest to the the fact of like ongoing sagas running on for for many for for many months. So yeah, um, yeah that that does definitely seem to to hold up. Um, I like to move this on by looking at some of your experiences. Um, it could be from working in-house, but probably from working at Branded3, um, working with technical teams and developers, which I'm sure you've got a bunch of experience of what, like, I know you've worked on like a, a load of different migrations and different yeah. projects. Um, be keen to, to get any kind of like um, stories or learnings that you've got of working with, with developers and engineering teams. 
Sure. Well, while I was at Rhino 3, because it was a PLC and owned by a company that owns a bunch of other companies too, I actually worked mm-hmm. as part of a dev agency called Realize for, right. for quite a while. I, I, okay. You know, it was a great agency to work with as well. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, but it was a development agency and it was really clear we could work quite closely together because they didn't have search as a function. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those two businesses work quite closely together and a lot of things. So I kind of saw how dev agencies work i wouldn't pretend i managed anyone there or anything like that but i kind of worked on a lot of projects that they did um i think you know the the first the first thing that's probably i definitely got wrong through seven years of of branded three and realized that as soon as i moved in-house to to pendragon is because you kind of have this vision of a dev queue you often think that it's the dev team's responsibility to make a note of what you're asking them for right and I think it was really clear as soon as I started managing a product team and an SEO team that, you know, SEOs often fire over recommendations, maybe via an email or something like that, and then expect that at the other side of the of the email or the other, you know, with the other person that you're talking to, that they've written that down and they've added it to their queue <laughs> and that you don't need to think about it again. Yeah, fat chance. <laughs> exactly. Whereas as soon as as soon as a recommendation comes through to the development team, you know, we worked using agile methodology we, we we did sprints every couple of weeks if something was obvious it would get into the sprint that we're doing right now mm-hmm. and if it wasn't obvious then he did some scoping then it would be added to a queue to scope and that queue it, it doesn't really exist anywhere you know it's it's not a kind of we'll add this to the list and we will get to it it's like we'll add this to the list and that's the end of it mm-hmm. um so you know I think both sides is probably the wrong way to describe that, but both teams have an expectation that the other one is aware of the big picture of what's going on. And I think that was the first thing that I really understood when I'd been sending over a technical audit um, to, to a development team previously. I kind of think, well, you, you've got that now. You you have a list of things to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to maintain a list of things to do. And in fact, actually, it's my list. It's my responsibility. They're my problems mm-hmm. that these this other team is working on for me. So and that was one of the first things that was really obvious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. So have you got any strategies for kind of getting that round and making sure that the, the things that you are recommending are actually... Like, is is there any kind of solution to that, or with with some things you just have to accept that they're they're going to be like on a list and kind of left to <laughs> gain dust? I think the first thing to do is understand what the list looks like. Where does it where does it live? What what kind of format is it in? Uh, instead of trying to say you know you're pitching SEO to a client and say this is our way of working. You really shouldn't have a way of working. You should be plugging into another team's way of working when you're reliant on them actually doing anything. So I think that the first thing to do is have that conversation with the development team. How do you work? What format would this be useful to you in? And how can I make sure that we're giving you these recommendations in a format that you can actually use them? And I, I think, you know, that a lot of the time, SEOs are just technical enough to be dangerous where we've mm. got a solution and we know kind of how to implement that solution because we've done it before. But if we're actually giving those recommendations to developers in a format where we're saying, this is what we're trying to achieve, you know the technology better than we do, clearly, you built the thing, and you have probably done this before too, and the way that it's built is probably built like that for a reason. This is what we're trying to achieve this is one way I've done it before, but can you think of another way we could do this? Can you think of other solutions that might work in this sort of uh, in this sort of scenario? Because until you've actually gone through that conversation, you really don't know how much time any of these things are going to take. So if you're just firing them over in an email and saying, well, can you scope this out for me? Then they scope out something and they give you back, this is what we think we might do. We're like, great, okay. And then you go away and put a business case. But it's so it's so hard to do that when actually you've seen one possible way of doing things and because you don't have that context of, uh, you know, the, the stack that you've got, mm. you don't have the context to be able to say, well, maybe there's a different way of doing this. And probably it makes sense to have that conversation with the developer early on and say, success looks like this. The methodology looks like what you want it to look like. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's diff- more difficult working agency sides to to kind of have that involvement and with developers or not necessarily? I don't think it is. No, I think it's it's the same. 
mm-hmm. in a lot of senses because however you look at it, you're intruding on another team's time. Yeah. You know, you have as an agency, you have probably got a defined start and an end point to your pro- your project. Mm-hmm. It's not one of a million things that you're doing that you've said you try and deliver by such and such a date, but there's all, the, all this other stuff and all this other context. With an agency, you don't do it. You don't get paid a lot mm-hmm. of the time. We're going to get this project done by this date. Otherwise, we're going to have issues. So actually, it, it's potentially a little bit clearer in a lot of ways because you can start to have that conversation with development teams in the same way that an in-house team would mm-hmm. and really be on their side rather than, you know, just kind of um, being the external invading force on mm-hmm. their team. Uh, I don't think it really makes that much of a difference. It's yeah. nice to obviously be in the same building or whatever so you can, you know, oh, by the way, I, I've just thought of another way we could do this. But most of the businesses I work with tend to be multiple offices maybe multiple countries that's mm-hmm. just not how they work anyway so yeah. it doesn't make that much of a difference mm-hmm. okay um have you had any troubles in getting developers to care about seo recommendations and um the sorts of initiatives that an seo te- seo team can see the value of but developers might not necessarily be on the same page i definitely used to i can't think of any instances recently where and that's probably in the last two to three years where I, I've kind of struggled to articulate what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Because more often than not, SEO is common sense. And you kind of run into troubles when you go for Google says this, Google wants that. And when you start to maybe ignore some of Google's recommendations... Mm-hmm. and you realise that actually not everything is important. So uh, obviously we're talking when rel equals UGC is now a thing. Yeah. And my first thought is, I don't care. I know plenty of times in the past I might have said to the development team, can, can, we, can we implement yeah. this? And they will go, where do we implement that? Mm-hmm. And I'll go, I've not really thought about it, actually. <laughs> um, so, so you're just becoming an annoyance, basically, and exactly, recommending yeah. things for the sake of it. Best practice is, is one of the worst problems in SEO because mm-hmm. best practice is quite broad. Yeah. And actually, it's quite average. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that you could do that are far better than, than what best practice states. Mm-hmm. And realistically, half of the things that are considered best practice are not very well documented at all. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not really clear what you would do and you get found out really quickly. Whereas yeah. I think if you're kind of talking to developers and saying, well, what is the bandwidth that you have? How much can we handle uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to SEO? Realistically, most of our clients have targets. They have some sort of reason to be doing it and they will push through recommendations and we're all on the same side. Mm-hmm. So it's not a kind of fight with the developers at all in it's certainly in, in, in recent memory for me. Um, so it, it's, it's a little bit more straightforward to say, well, overall, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to make sure that this chunk of 70,000 pages that we aren't supposed to have disappears mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, what we need to do here is implement rel equals prev, rel equals next, and then mm-hmm. we're going to do something else, and then we're going to do something else. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the big picture. Yeah. We need to get that down to the 500 or so pages we're supposed to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, here are some different things that we might do. Can we have a conversation about which is going to be the best thing? Okay. Uh, because it, it should be, you know, every developer on that website knows they probably shouldn't have 70,000 pages. <laughs> I see what you mean. Would you say that, because this is kind of a recurring theme that's come up with in previous episodes, I think it it seems a lot that um, more skilled SEOs, they're they're better at being able to articulate the the problems that actually matter and kind of showing the the kind of bigger picture and the importance of those rather than just like having a, a full understanding of best practice but not a hell of a lot of knowledge about yeah, what should be prioritised. Is that something that kind of rings true for you? I think so. I think that I've definitely got better at understanding what should and shouldn't be a priority. I've definitely learned by kind of implementing things that have had no effect mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe implementing them again, actually, and still had no effect and then starting to work out that maybe this isn't that important after all. Mm-hmm. And 
that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done ever because some some teams find it really easy. So yeah. actually, I think it's not an understanding of kind of doing SEO for a really long time. It's an understanding of working with people for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you you get an understanding better uh, of how, how you should actually communicate. That's mm-hmm. the that's the big gap, and I think that's what SEOs really learn with experience. That's the bit that really makes a, a great SEO being able to communicate properly, mm-hmm. rather than actually knowing any more or less about SEO. Yeah. I feel weirdly like I, lo- I know less about SEO now than I did five years ago because yeah. it was just so black and white. Here are all the things that we need to do, mm-hmm. and actually we didn't need to do half of those, and there was another half of things that we did. Yeah, right. And moving on slightly to how you've kind of moved up the ranks at Branded 3. Have you found it more difficult partly because you're you're kind of less, you're further away from actually the kind of execution and the um, getting down in like the, the weeds of it? And um, has, that, has that been a, a big change? And have you had to learn how to talk to more senior stakeholders? Has that, has that been a challenge that you've encountered? Or do you just like, I don't know, does it come naturally like everything no, it's it's uh, the senior stakeholder part does come naturally because I think everyone's personality is different and my personality often matches marketing directors etc because I'm I'm very big picture this is where we're going this is what we want to get to mm-hmm. uh, here are a bunch of stuff that we're going to try but actually overall success looks like this yeah. um, that's a lot easier actually than talking to an SEO manager or a web product manager or, or someone like that who wants to understand the detail um, actually you know the the moving up through branded three I find it a lot more easier to communicate with people uh, from from that point of view, and then I've worked pretty hard to try and get into the detail. That's the bit that I've I've always um, that doesn't come naturally, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely do think that over the years I got pretty fed up of not implementing things, and by the time I was in my last year or so at at, at Branded Three and at Kin and Carter, it was kind of. I'd never really got to see the impact of any recommendations. We'd be doing a strategy for a pitch and I never really saw what ended up of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, you know, that's frustrating from from my point of view. What I really like about SEO is the results. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is one of the most fun parts, being able to see the impact that you're having, being really clear that unlike a lot of other forms of advertising, it, it's, quite, it's quite obvious what you're yeah. doing because you have yeah. more data about performance than you know tv for yeah. example <laughs> you're getting a lot um, more so you information. can see what impact you've done mm-hmm. um and and one of the main reasons i i wanted to start start rise at seven is so that i could get stuck in mm-hmm. rather than just being a new business guy which is where yeah. you know the more senior you get in an agency the more your job is actually just sales mm-hmm. and to be fair that's probably true of every single company whether it's agency or not mm-hmm. right okay and have there been any particular times where things have gone like quite badly wrong that you, you you're allowed to share with us that um, yeah. you'd like people to know about <laughs> Not and that what I'd you like learned? People to know about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's shout about all of your failures, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a bunch of things that I've I've done wrong. I think some of the biggest mistakes that I've made are believing that SEO can do everything and I've worked with a brand to launch a brand new site mm-hmm. with just PR, link building and technical SEO and that's not going to that's not going to grow very quickly mm-hmm. in all honesty and definitely I I backed myself and the team to say we could do that and we can't because it's just one part of it it's a competitive niche mm-hmm. and you know one thing that um that i hope i've got better at is understanding the big picture and how seo is is really the last part of it mm-hmm. seo is a result of every single thing that you're doing it's not a thing that you do yeah. on its own um and especially when it comes to technical you know technical is technical is probably the thing that most big brands should really be focusing on right now mm-hmm but authority building, link building, PR, you know, advertising is the thing that most startups should be focusing on right mm-hmm. now because they don't have that technical debt that's the thing that's holding back a brand. Yeah. Um, that, that is one thing that springs to mind. I've done loads of stupid stuff. I accidentally robots.texted out a client's website once and I'm reminded <sighs> of that every time I speak to Brandon Free's old head of SEO. Um, <laughs> no one's held a grudge. No, well, How thanks. much chaos did it cause? 
Thankfully, it was spotted in a day and it came back and right. there wasn't any long-term damage. Okay. Did, um, the, did that, the client realise? The client did realise. Yeah, we did <laughs> oh, tell them. I, I said, I'd done <laughs> right. this. At least you're Sorry, staying transparent. Please do this. And it was it was back within a few hours. Yeah. Um, but that was that was literally my first or second SEO client. Right. And it just wow. came from a, a, a place of inexperience where I made a recommendation in a robots file that I thought was the right way to do it and just a lack of oversight that kind of comes when you're an agency with a plc behind you with big mm-hmm. sales targets and just yeah. well i need to get these templated audits out the door mm-hmm. um and i think that that i don't think i'd ever do that wrong again which is obviously good. some comfort to the clients that i've got <laughs> that, that's good to hear <laughs> we're not going to completely take your site out of the index nah, that, that'll be a, a brand <laughs> that'll be an agency promise <laughs> yeah absolutely it's on the values um are there are there any i'd be interested to know what the difference between uh, a good client and a, a bad client looks like for you and like how ideally you'd be kind of collaborating with with client organizations as well i think a bad client and i think this is what everyone would say but a bad client is one who doesn't value what you do mm-hmm. and we're, we're lucky so far we're up to 14 clients at, nice. at rise at seven and every one of them has come to us because we do things the way that they want to do things mm-hmm uh, I'm sure we'll at some point come to the to the situation where someone's got a different view of strategy to we do, and to be honest, I don't have any issues with you know having a debate over what the strategy should be. I don't have any issues doing things other ways compared mm-hmm. to what our sort of uh, usual big creative thinking outside of the box kind of approach. Um, so I think that you know a, a bad client is one that doesn't value what you do in the sense of. Um, they don't really want you to shout about the fact that you work with them. Um, we, They're not proud that they're using you. Yeah, well, <laughs> That's... Or, or vice versa. You know, um, I want to work with clients who are thrilled to work with us and who yeah. understand that actually we're really happy that mm-hmm. they are a client of ours. Um, and you know, I've had, I've had uh, that a couple of times, and we're only two months old, but I've walked away from relationships like that. Uh, I've walked away from relationships where the retained amount is great, but actually, uh, we want we want so much for that that you know we're we're prepared to pay you a day rate that's half what you're asking for. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you you don't decide how much our staff are worth. I decide how much our staff are worth, yeah. and then you decide whether you agree. And that's yeah. that's kind of how this <laughs> relationship goes. So, I guess the 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 ultimate test of whether a client is a good client or not is that they have uh they value what you do the same as how you value what you do mm-hmm. and i think that we've been pretty lucky so far but i also think that most clients are good clients mm-hmm. and i'm aware of many instances where someone said you work with these guys now they're a nightmare i'm like no they're not they're <laughs> they're, they're lovely people um it's just a, a combination of you know who the whole team is and mm. how what their team's like and how things change and all that kind of thing. So I guess I guess the, my view of a bad client, I've got a couple of clients on my list of I will never work with these businesses. <laughs> and the common denominator is it's the fact that it's the CEO who's the problem because that, right. that person yeah. is not going anywhere. Uh, I do remember you sharing a tweet, uh, I think it was like a few weeks ago, about um, a client meeting where someone... Someone said about uh, it was like bring along a few women or some something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. It sounded very seedy. It was. I was on a on a new business call. We got a brief coming in, and the the person we were talking to says, "Oh, by the way, for your pitch team, make sure you bring a few attractive women because director likes eye candy." And you know that we we. There's, it's hard to really sort of uh, articulate what you kind of think in that sort of situation. In mm. the end, we actually did go for the pitch, but I refused to take any women to the to the pitch. I didn't think that I wasn't in a position to be able to, again, in PLC land, be able yeah. to turn down business when things are the way they are for big mm. agencies at the moment. And 
I went to the pitch anyway, took a team entirely of men, lost the pitch because we were told this is a female-focused brand and you need women on the team. And I've I've definitely had a few messages afterwards from people who know exactly who I am talking about. Mm. The agency who won that didn't yeah. keep it for very long and they knew who I was referring to. So right. I think that, you know, when you've got a warning sign like that, that's probably a good sign that there is a real problem and one of the huge advantages of owning your own business is you can call it out without fear of what that means for your long-term career Mm -hmm. and how you're not a team player and putting the needs of the business first etc it's your business Mm -hmm. and the needs of the business are making sure that people feel they're in a safe working environment and want to work for you and the clients that you've got yeah um so if you as have you made any sort of kind of assurances to yourself that if you get a, a kind of client that you're not too happy about working with now, are you kind of confident enough in yourself that you'd like turn them away? Yeah, not yeah. necessarily because they're um, making questionable comments or anything, but just they're not the type of people that you'd want to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Even if they're 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 offering up some some big bucks. Yeah, hundred well, percent. Yeah, uh, we we had a client at Branded Three that paid into the fifty thousand pound a month sort of bracket for SEO, and I wouldn't work with them for the same money. I wouldn't work yeah. with them with for twice that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think we're going to be uh, fine. Really, I think yeah. Rise at Seven is going to be a successful agency, and I don't need to take every every opportunity that comes our way because ultimately money is only part of the puzzle and one of the biggest what i mean if you're an agency that's growing what are you going to spend that money on you're mm-hmm. going to spend it on getting the best staff yeah. and if you take the money and lose the best staff then you spend that on recruiters and getting slightly worse staff and you end up in a much worse place than you were otherwise mm-hmm. so when you don't have the same sort of targets and naturally you know you're owned by you're owned by a big company who's making promises to shareholders that you're going to grow because that's the purpose of the company when you're mm-hmm. owned by when you're owned by shareholders then it's 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 very hard to turn away that money yeah. whereas actually it's pretty easy to just say well no because mm-hmm. you know um we can find another one of you before you find another one of us and yeah. that's always you know I'd, i i would be upset if i wasn't in that position mm-hmm. yeah that's a very important thing um with with the clients that you do have now are you um, what kind of people are you working with? Is it what kind of knowledge of SEO do they have? Are you working with as like an extension of um, an SEO team, or with uh, like more senior people who don't understand SEO or have a kind of limited understanding of SEO? What does does that kind of look like? I think we've got a real mixture more than we've ever had, or more mm-hmm. than I've ever worked with. Um, we have a lot more owner-managed businesses than mm-hmm. we've had previously, and I think it comes from having a pretty bold approach. We think that SEO should be done this way. We think that when we do a campaign, when we do PR, and, and you know when we create content, you should be thrilled to take that home to your wife, to your mum, to your kids, whatever, and show them. Mm-hmm. We had a, a comment. We just done a campaign where uh, we. Uh, are working with a, a brand that does uh, mock exam papers and uh, private home tutoring. Yeah. And so we decided that we would get Professor Snape lookalikes to teach chemistry mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then we had we had a comment on LinkedIn a couple of days ago from a former client that said, I showed this to my daughter. I should have known it was you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we think SEO should be done. Right. We should not just be getting graphs that go up. We should yeah. also be saying, you enjoy making those graphs go up because we enjoy making those graphs go up as well Mm -hmm. so we've been pretty clear and vocal about how we want to do that and and as a result you know a lot of uh we have a a portfolio of brands who are maybe on the boring side by traditional standards Mm -hmm. we love that that's not a problem to us at all Mm -hmm. because we can get excited about anything and we can get our clients excited about it too But likewise, you know, we've got clients who are global brands with our point of contact as a head of SEO. And that's always been our, you know, bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That's the, the people that we're really used to working with. Yeah. And again, you know, it, it, it's more the relationship is 
we we have a clear idea of where we want to be in a year, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. And I don't think those relationships are actually that different anymore. I think if if you're of of an opinion that SEO should be done the way that we think SEO should be done, then the fit is pretty good, Mm -hmm. regardless of what level you are or what you know yeah. whether you own the business or not mm-hmm. do you alter your approach though when you go to client meetings dependent on say if you're working with a head of, of seo or someone that's kind of less has less of an understanding of what seo is about like how do you communicate the the bigger picture to someone like that i think you that's a that's a bit of a tricky trickier question because mm-hmm. i kind of want to say we are who we are and we are always ourselves yeah. in that sort of situation. So I modify my sort of approach a lot less than I, I have historically when I've mm-hmm. been thinking, okay, so this marketing director is this type of person and we need this exact team and we need to be saying this and this is where we need to sit in the room and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so it's not overly stage managed. <laughs> so I've definitely done the whole choreographed rock opera kind of crap. Yeah. <laughs> but I think... Uh, I think we we kind of just be ourselves and we're 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 very much of that opinion now where you know we think it's this way if you agree with us that it's this way then you probably agree with us that we're the right right team for the job mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's a bit more a bit more straightforward from that but then I do think that everyone requires something different depending on what they're trying to achieve so an owner of a business isn't trying to get their recommendations, get their strategy, get their roadmap in a format that they can then show their boss because they don't have one. Mm -hmm. They just care about the numbers going up. They just care about doing something cool that they really enjoy that they can, you know, show the family. Uh, Whereas an SEO manager, head of SEO product managers we work with that, that everyone sort of um, who has a boss who probably has a company that's, you know, traded on their stock exchange or whatever like that. Um, they have multiple people that they they need to tell mm-hmm. what they're doing, and then you know we're on their side at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So we're we're not going to do anything different overall. We know yeah. how we're going to get the results, but we do format those recommendations in a different way. It's just a conversation. Mm-hmm. How do you report on that? Why should why should we say this is what format an audit comes in? This is what format your report comes in when you're already doing an audit. You're already doing reports. You already have a way of working. I'd rather just fit into that. Kind kind of mm-hmm. way that they already do things yeah can you give have you got any examples of a different way that you might communicate something to 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 someone like the owner of a business um differently to how you would the head of seo so i'd say out of most of our owner managed businesses we tend to work on probably longer term relationships most of the time not all the mm-hmm. time but we'll say do four five six campaigns over the course of a year or 18 months and with an owner managed business we will probably go we think we need to, we think we're going to do a campaign it's going to look like this mm-hmm. and they go okay go and do that that sounds great and Brilliant. <laughs> when we work with a um a team we have much more of a um, an approach where it's like kind of we'll, we'll show you some options here is you know big option here's the same idea but smaller mm-hmm. here's what how things could look if you're managing the development of this asset mm-hmm. how you know how things could look for your social team we can package that up but we we don't need to you know so there's there's a lot more planning involved in mm-hmm. a campaign where we are thinking it through from beginning to end up front Mm-hmm. and saying this is all the ways it could work and let's negotiate basically on who's doing what and how we can make it happen mm-hmm. we'll probably have two or three ideas for what a campaign could be whereas an owner managed business is like well here's the kpi here's the, here's what we're going to achieve with this and we're just going to kind of do it mm-hmm. and we're going to make it better as we go along so if we think we can take this further we're going to probably drop you a message and say by the way we've got this opportunity we think we might film a video with it as well is that all right Mm-hmm. and kind of get the feedback from journalists on the fly, get the feedback from teams on the fly and and, and do it that way. So it's probably, I'd say the, the biggest difference is when you're working with a, um, a structured team, all the planning has to come up front yeah. and then it's just going through the motions of actually achieving the thing. Right. Whereas where you're working with an owner-managed business, it's just we know where we want up. to get to yeah. and we all just make it awesome as we go along. Yeah, you're kind of winging it. Yeah, a, well, a bit. <laughs> kind of. No. We know we know what we're trying to achieve, and we know roughly what's going to happen with it. But then it is is much more of a relationship where it's like this is going wrong. We'll fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we if we think 
we're going to struggle to hit that KPI in the amount of time that we've got. Do you know what? We'll just spend more time on it and get it done. Mm-hmm. That's not an issue to us at all. Yeah. Whereas, you know, when we're working with um, a team where we've we've had loads of hoops to jump through to get that far, you know, we, we definitely find it more straightforward to justify going a week above and beyond, two weeks above and beyond on a campaign to make it into something special. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. I, um, I remember watching a talk, I think it was... Uh, Laura Hogan maybe at the last Brighton SEO and she was talking about the um, the kind of life cycle of a, a client and I think she asked the, the uh, on Twitter how many like how long a client stays um, stays with you and it was like depressingly short like mm-hmm. it was like I'm going to say like less than a year maybe um, so I've got a kind of couple of questions around that the first being like do you build kind of client churn into your your projections um, for how you're going to grow Rise at 7? And do you have any sort of recommendations around how we can start thinking about, I don't know, making that slightly longer and slight, slightly, make it a slightly less depressing figure, I guess? Uh, yeah, okay, so... Um, Sorry, that that was like... <laughs> there's a lot a lot to cover in that one. But, no, no, it's, yeah. uh, there's a bunch of questions, but I've got a bunch of answers, so it's all right. Um, Brilliant. So, and mm-hmm. I think that our mentality at Rise at 7 is we have a defined beginning and end to a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a contract, and at the end of that contract, we will re- revisit whether it makes sense or not. But we've got no expectation that that client is going to stick around unless we've done something awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not the same sort of thing where we're kind of, um, you know, really worried about retention in the same way. We don't have revenue to replace and then revenue to stick on top because we've got someone to satisfy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's part of it. I mean, there's obviously an element of managing your cost base, but, you know, we, we're pretty clear, a few of our clients we just work on a project with and we aren't, expecting to lose that client but that doesn't mean we're expecting they'll be mm-hmm. in the project yep. because we, we know what we're there for we're a narrow agency you know we do creative seo that's mm-hmm. that's our specialism and there is more to life for a lot of clients yeah so we're there for for them when they need us to do that stuff mm-hmm. and i think that you know when, when it comes to managing cost base etc uh, the way that we always used to work at Brenda 3 is we had a retained revenue base, which is about two-thirds overall, mm-hmm. and we would uh, we would staff that two-thirds of revenue, and then everything that we do as a project on top is profit. Right. So um, we're kind of working similarly at Rise at 7. I would say uh, we're looking at utilisation of about two-thirds for most people, in fact, mm-hmm. nearly everyone. Um, so we're, we're kind of expecting that there's going to be months where people have pretty much seven days with nothing to do except right. spend their time on writing blog posts or go to wow. conference or teach themselves something yeah. and i have you know that means costs are covered that means they're going to do something productive with that time and you know they're they're, they're adding value to the business during that time just not with a client paying for it mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't mean that you know an agency who has a 100% utilization isn't expecting that of all their people anyway it yeah. just means they've got to work late right. so I think uh, we, we don't have those I've said it a bunch of times we don't have those targets right so we, we, we want to grow mm-hmm. and if we don't grow fine yeah not an issue you know right. w- the end of the day we want to do great work and enjoy it Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, you know, you, you kind of want to start by looking at what kind of l- utilization are you happy with? Mm-hmm. How much time needs to be paid for for you to break even? And then how much time do you need to add on top of that to make sure you aren't going to have to lay people off if something goes wrong? Because inevitably things go wrong. Mm-hmm. We've been lucky so far. Things are going to go wrong. They always yeah. do. And I think that, you know, it it only becomes an issue. You only really lose clients when you start doing things that aren't in the client's best interest Mm -hmm. and you fail to communicate that that is what you're trying to do. You know, um, things things happen, you know, teams change at a client's side, new CMO comes in, new head of SEO comes in, whatever it might be. So there's there's so many unforeseen factors. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's there's plenty of business, you know, like with... uh, the economic situation, everything, business go bankrupt, that kind of thing. So yeah. you just got to be really clear what is actually the cost that you need to cover. Mm-hmm. 
and it's obviously a very different situation if you then need to double your size in the yeah. next two years or whatever it is that right. you know targets suggest. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're aiming to do? Um, well, it's hard to double nothing because there was just two of us uh, <laughs> uh, three, three, three months ago. So we yeah. don't have targets. You know, we have um, an amount of money that we told our investor we would make, which we've so far doubled, which is nice in two mm-hmm. months. And we're, we're pretty clear that, you know, we are going to grow as it suits us where we are still able to do a great job for clients. Mm-hmm. We are working with brands that we really want to work with. And at the end of the day, SEO, running an SEO agency isn't that difficult. Mm-hmm. It's got challenges. It's a real sort of, um, it's a mentality you've got to have, but it's not like if you're good at something, you shouldn't be able to get paid for it. So I, I, it doesn't worry me too right. much, if I'm honest. Did I, did I hear that right? Running an SEO agency isn't that difficult? Well, no, not really. No. Right. Okay. I mean, if you, if you oh. are... <laughs> If you are going to, do I've seen I've seen a fair amount of like uh, memes on Twitter of like uh, like this is me before owning a well, SEO okay. agency. This is me after, and this like a, a so, corpse in, in the second picture. Let's let's just say like, the situations are different for everyone. Yeah, and I have run SEO agencies where it was killing me, mm. and that is largely <laughs> due to the fact that you know the I'm running it on behalf of someone else. Right. Okay. I think when you are in a situation where you're you're running your own agency, and what you're really trying to do, mm. if you can distill it down, is yep. to have. <clears throat> Um, a team that you like working with, doing work for clients that you like working for, where you make enough money to make a living and feel like the future is secure. Mm-hmm. That's not that hard because there are a lot of really poor SEO agencies out there who do crap work for clients who want better, yeah. quite rightly. There are a lot of really poor SEO agencies out there who are employing people who want better. So really, as long as you do have good intentions and have the right, you know, attitude mm-hmm. for want of a better term yeah i don't think it's it's i don't think it's a horrible industry to be in mm-hmm. i've i know people who are in much worse positions yeah. than people that work in seo definitely mm-hmm. how would you recommend that someone go on and i don't know do something that like you have because like you were the founder of um search leads and um you seem to have like a, a knack for uh, going off and, and kind of like, I don't know, taking the ball by the horns and kind of like starting your own thing. Um, that doesn't come naturally to, to everyone, I'd, I'd say myself in, included. Like mm-hmm. how how do you go about doing that or what would be the kind of like starting steps for that? I think you always work backwards. You always think where you're trying to get to, what's the important thing for you in the future, what does success look like in your career. You can do that in a bunch of ways. So, like, I want to you say, for example, not something particularly for me, but, you know, you want to retire by 50. Okay, so how much money do you need to make to do that? Okay, how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. You don't have to look that long term. You could be thinking, well, when I started at Branded 3, my first thing was I wanted to be, I wanted to work as an on-page SEO strategist. Mm-hmm. That was, I'd started out as a link builder. I really wanted to do SEO, so I was aiming for that. And then I set myself a next goal, which is, okay, well, I think I could probably be head of SEO here. Mm -hmm. And I I want to do that. So what am I going to do for that? Well, you know, the head of SEO is a public speaker. The head of SEO writes blogs, has an opinion on stuff. So that's what I started doing Mm -hmm. in that side of things. Um, And then, you know, I I kind of always set myself a goal. uh, Really, you know, it wasn't always particularly big lofty Mm -hmm. sort of goal but I always had something that I was working towards and I think you know I definitely ran out of um uh, I I definitely thought the time was right for me to move on from Branded 3 when I thought there's nothing here in my future that I really want Mm -hmm. um there's always opportunity you can always earn more money at a big company you know but that's not always what motivates everyone and Mm -hmm. I thought there's other stuff I want to achieve now so that was when I felt that I needed to find a new company uh, or find a new thing to do, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's it's it can be really straightforward. It's just, like, write down a 100 things that you want to do, like mm-hmm. a bucket list. Yeah. Um, inevitably, you can write 40 things that you want to do, and then you write 40 things that you don't really want to do, but you need to get to the end of a list, and then by the end of it, you come up with some really good stuff that you hadn't really realised that that's what you wanted. Yeah. So there's loads of tricks to, to kind of 
get there mm-hmm. with um, with any like search leads as an example. A lot of these things are accidents, yeah. and with with search leads, it was a combination of working for a business that didn't really have an issue with spending twenty grand on attending a CMO event, mm-hmm. and then realizing we're not getting anything out of this. Maybe we could spend twenty grand on a different event, mm-hmm. and then uh, I had lunch with Chris Dyson at Harvester, and he said we should probably yeah. think of doing a meetup in Leeds or something because <laughs> we've not had Thinkviz or Ion Search for a while. And I'm like, hang on, I've got twenty grand. I could do a big meetup with that. <laughs> so we kind of went quite a there. big meetup with that. I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah so we, we kind of we kind of built up through a, a selection of coincidence and really mm. that's what anything is you just got to look at what the opportunities are and feel like i have a good understanding of what my future sort of holds mm-hmm. what gets me closer to that uh, yeah. my friend uh, mike jeffs who's uh, used to be commercial director at branded three always said he got to where he was just because he said yes to every opportunity that came his way mm-hmm. not a bad thing to do yeah I suppose you've got to make sure that they're ones that are in line with those goals, though. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. just don't turn anything away that's yeah. going to be useful for you. Hmm. That's really good advice. And on the, the flip side, how do you make sure that you don't get too carried away with um, kind of pursuing those goals? Like, um, in my research on you, I saw that you've done or are doing a bit of mentoring for um, university students at... Um, your university in Sheffield Hallam how how do you set aside time for that because you must be like very like obscenely busy like how 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 do you make time to to do these kind of like more charitable it's not charity <laughs> students aren't charity but like doing, doing stuff that, that benefits other people as well I think you always think about what's important to you and what's important to you is different to what's important to everyone else. I mean, like, it just comes down to motivation in different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't mean you need to have motivation or you don't have motivation. But yeah. like when I was progressing, I progressed really quickly through Branded 3 and my motivation was my wife was a teacher at the time. She hated it and I mm-hmm. knew that she wasn't going to be a teacher for very long. So my whole thought process was I want to be on enough money that she can quit and mm. we'll be fine if, yeah. if she doesn't find something she wants to do for a year we'll be fine mm-hmm. and so that's that's what really made me work the 12 hour days that, that were required to do all that stuff and then now i mean i i'm back in sheffield which is my university city mm-hmm. love it there yeah. really loved my time at university i stayed for a really long time because i did masters as well and i genuinely like that institution and think well I, what could i do i would literally they were a client of mine when i was at b3 and uh, it was just tell me what i can do to mm-hmm. help further the university they're yeah. like well you could do this and you know maybe do a guest lecture and maybe there's this mentoring thing mm-hmm. that we are. brilliant okay i'll do all of those things so really open to the idea because that's something that i've kind of thought about before and like i've known people that have done similar kind of things but it's just like i don't know it, it's always the kind of thing like i've always times i never really kind of get around to it so mm. it, it's just a case of going to them and saying like what can i do to to help yeah, it's like who who do you care about as a business? Not what does your business care about, but who do you care about? Because mm-hmm. we, like now at the moment, we are working with some clients where we're like, we really want to work with those guys, so we're just going to do what it takes to do it because yeah. we want to. Mm-hmm. And likewise, you know, that's the same thing with the university. That's the same thing like, what well, you know what? We don't have um, an SEO conference in the north anymore. Yeah. Brighton's a really long way away. It's six hours drive to get back on Friday. And, and you know, if we don't have that and we think we should, do I care enough to do that? Yeah, all right, I do. So... Mm-hmm you know that that's what sort of spurs you to put the time in really yeah and um you're a real kind of champion of digital in the north is that kind of stemmed out of search leads or is that part of something deeper um search leads was again because it was a bit of a coincidence leads is a really strange place when it comes to seo because it is the capital in my Mm -hmm. opinion still and the reason I say that is because when Branded 3 used to pitch for new business, the the weird small talk at the end of every meeting or the beginning of every meeting is like, oh, you're in Leeds. That's mm. weird. We've got <laughs> these three other agencies from Leeds pitching to us and we didn't really realise that that's, yeah. that's where they were. And like, well, eventually we just kind of decided that, well, clearly you have to go to Leeds to find SEO. Mm-hmm. That's not true anymore. 
And the reason I say that is because all those Leeds agencies have been acquired and are going through their own trials and tribulations <laughs> right. as inevitably happens. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fine. There's 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 cool stuff everywhere. There are agencies. This is you know we're in the next wave. Mm-hmm. We're now at this position where um, you know everything's cyclical. Everything's cyclical. Um, cyclical. And I think you kind of go through that stage where everyone goes for a big agency that can do everything for them and then they need to grow in certain areas because there's always one or two channels that are underperforming mm-hmm. and they start to go to f- for specialists again and we're getting some really cool agencies now that are just sort of making the the headway i'm thinking of like impression in nottingham mm-hmm. are a great agency i'm talking yeah. about kaizen and you know um there's there's loads about and in they're in really strange places like digital loft in the lake district yeah. and it's not i love it up there (laughs) we're we're at this next stage now where what we might find is that suddenly there are four or five massive seo agencies that turn up in the lake district because that's where all the staff are (laughs) who knows but you know we're 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 in a new age when it comes to seo i think what i do what i am pretty clear about is the north is is definitely you know it on the up and Mm. there's a lot of investment in various initiatives up there the cost of living is completely different and there are still some really cool agents and really cool brands and you've got a lot of uh, the bigger companies in London relocating. You're thinking mm-hmm. Channel 4 and Sky turned up yeah. in, in Leeds not too long ago. Um, we've got a bunch of a, a bunch of similar brands coming in Sheffield, Manchester, you know. So I think that everything's moving out of London at the moment for cost mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah. And I think what you'll find is that the entrepreneurial types of people that you find in SEO will really sort of uh, appear in the north again as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, be interesting to see how they that oh, yeah. develops. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to kind of wrap this up with some maybe some closing thoughts from you about what you think SEOs could do to work better with communicating what we're about and the work that we do, whether that be developers, um, senior management, or other kind of departments. What what are the kind of like What's the key thing that you think we should be doing better? I think we should listen to Google less overall. Google wants us to do certain things, and I don't think we should ignore those things completely, but I don't think we should do them just because Google said so. Mm -hmm. I think that overall we need to think more long-term and we need to look at what else is in the roadmap currently instead of trying to stick new things in the roadmap if we're already looking at migrating the website maybe instead of thinking about amp we should be thinking about how do we make sure it's fast Mm -hmm. and if we're already looking at you know we want to be on tv again in q4 brilliant how do we make sure that we've got content on site that supports that rather than thinking of things to do from an seo point of view yeah because Everyone already has these challenges and everyone already has these work streams or epics or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. them within their day to day. And the last thing they need is another one when really SEO is it's this layer on top of Mm -hmm. what they're already doing. The PR team is already building links. We could we could help them build better ones. We could help them build more. We can help them support Mm -hmm. that with on site content. You know, the social team's already doing something. The dev team's already doing something. Mm -hmm. And I think that as SEOs, our role is to connect all of those teams together and think, talking to the dev team, what's coming up? Okay, talking to the PR team, I feel like there's a connection here. We can do something mm-hmm. on the website that's going to help further my agenda. As yeah. an SEO, you should you know, probably be able to do something that drives growth without doing anything yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So SEOs are essentially like the glue between different sorts of uh, marketing functions yeah. and we're, we're business outputs. project managers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... That's true of uh, when you're talking to a senior stakeholder too. That's true when you're talking to anyone in the team. It's like, what are you doing that I can optimize for search engines? It's not mm-hmm. about optimizing a website. It's optimizing every marketing channel to make that brand work in search. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, so I'd like to wrap up by moving on to a section that I like to call shameless plugs. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to give you two different things that you can plug. The first is um, it's either like a product or a service that 
you find helps you. It doesn't necessarily have to be like um, previously we've had like, oh, I really, I really like Jira or like a uh, um, particular like software service, maybe DeepCore, I don't know. But um, that <laughs> uh, something that, that makes your life easier that you'd recommend people to to try out. I am a big fan of... Uh, my tech stack it's nice because i i kind of when i left b3 and we had an insane tool budget and i went in house i kind of trimmed it right down and then when it's my money i trimmed it down even more mm-hmm. so i'm a big fan of deep crawl is my favorite crawler Systrix uh, is my favorite visibility tool yeah. ahrefs is my favorite for keyword research mm-hmm. and basically it's for for everything right and i really like little warden Uh, i think that's a a really cool tool as well Mm -hmm. and otherwise you know data studio and analytics and there's loads of really cool free tools Mm -hmm. so i think you know they're they're my go-to's for everything Mm -hmm. cool and is there anything that you'd like to to promote of of your work anything that you're working on um, at Rise at Seven or any other sort of um, projects you've got going on that you want to um, draw attention to? I would say that we have a way of doing things right and if anyone is listening and thinks that the way that SEO should be done is in a way that you can then go home and show your wife or your husband or your family or your kids, I did this today, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. then, you know, you're definitely the type of people that we want to hear from because that's exactly what we want to do too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you very much, Stephen Kenwright. It's been a, it's been an honour chatting with you. And, um, yeah, hope to have you back on at some point in the future. Pleasure. Anytime, Sam. Thank you very much. A massive thank you to Stephen for being such a superb guest and sharing all of his wisdom and experiences. If you want to hear more from Stephen... You can find him on Twitter at S-T-E Kenwright. And if you want to hear more from me, I'm at Sam underscore Marsden on Twitter. If you want to share our humble podcast with the world, then make sure that you add the hashtag open underscore dialogue. I'd also like to give a shout out to BMO Studios based in Hackney in London, who make open dialogue sound as good as it does. You can find a written recap of this podcast over on the Deepcrawl blog by visiting deepcrawl.com forward slash podcast and you'll also be able to sign up to our mailing list and be notified when we release new episodes on a bi-weekly basis also make sure to subscribe to open dialogue on the podcasting platform of your choice thank you again for listening to this podcast and i look forward to you joining us again for the next episode see you again soon